0: We're listening to this sermon podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. We're finishing up this three-week sermon series called Mastered, and the first week we talked about the God who provides. And do you have a scarcity mindset or an abundant mindset? Are you mastered by the idea that, that God is enough, not just for you, not just for your family, but God's enough for everything that He's created? And he is a God who provides. And start thinking about that, that we have this God of abundance who takes care of us, not because we live in America, not because we have a good job, not because we have a warm house. He's been that way since the beginning of time. And he's going to continue to take care of us. And do we act like we have a God who provides? And then last week, we talked about ownership and stewardship. So when he does provide these things, you know, whose is it? And we talked about the story of, the, of uh, the workers who went out in the field and how at the very end he gave everybody the same wage and he talked about how great it is to be generous. And why would people be mad if they, if they got what they were promised, but somebody else got that as well. And so this week I want to talk a little bit more about like what do we do with his provision. And the title of this message is God's Generosity to Us and through us, God's generosity to us and through us. I've had some time to think about legacy over the last several years, or not, the last several months, excuse me. As you're laying in a hospital bed, curious if you're going to make it, shocked, wondering if what you did mattered if you were gone the next day. And you certainly, I just, I'm bummed that I needed to have that experience to focus on legacy and the things that are important. And so I started thinking more about this idea of of legacy and my time here on earth. And what would I have wished I would have done more of? What are some of the petty things that I couldn't, I can't believe I wasted my time on? And the fact that I'm still here. And I was, as I was writing this out, I was like, yeah, he gave me a second chance. But you know what I think? It's probably just the second chance that I recognize. There's probably hundreds of other, hundreds of other chances that I just missed. And I get the, the privilege of having a beautiful family. This was 10 days before my surgery. And I got to welcome my new daughter-in-law, Olivia, into our life and be there with my son and see my awesome little grandson, River. I got the privilege of officiating this wedding embarrassing my son in that picture, I'm sure. And so I started thinking about what are the things that matter? What are the, th- the things you're going to wish you would have done more of? And how do you live a life full of gratitude. Now, how do you live a life where you accept God's generosity to you and you also let it go through you to others? It's interesting, this idea and added, uh, about uh, gratitude, and I was doing some uh, research on it, and I ran across this Mayo Clinic article about gratitude. And so this is just from like an actual... Just the guys who are doing research on this, and here's what they said: Expressing gratitude is associated with a host of uh, mental and physical benefits. Studies have shown that feeling thankful can improve your sleep, can improve your mood, it can improve your immunity. Gratitude can decrease depression and anxiety, and difficulties with chronic pain and risk of disease. And it said in the article, I love how they phrased this, it said, if if there was a pill that could do all this, everyone would be taking it. If you could have better sleep and be in a better mood and have less anxiety, would you not take that pill? And here's the thing, God has already given it to you. He's given it to you in the form of being able to, to recognize and be grateful for what's going on. You know, your brain is, it goes on to say, it says your brain is designed to problem solve rather than to appreciate. I was thinking about that. Like, am I always trying to solve problems versus just appreciating what is right in front of me? And you often must override this design to reap the benefits of gratitude. And so our God is a very generous God to all of us. And I was looking in the text and I was uh, just, oh, here would be some supporting text of some things we're going to talk about today. And I, I ran across First Thessalonians uh, 16 uh, through 18. And it says, Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. Be grateful. Give thanks in all circumstances. And then, semicolon, stop, for this is God's will for you. In Christ Jesus. So God's will is for you to be thankful. God's will is for you to be, uh, be uh, praying and, and in, like, He's like, hey, talk to me. Let's communicate. I want a relationship with you. Let's communicate. That's my will. I'd like to communicate with you. And I want you to have joy and rejoice. And I want you to be thankful. So I started asking myself this question and working on this this week. You know, how do I practice gratitude in my life? Because gratitude leads to something that we're going to talk about. But how do I practice that? And so you know, get up every morning, and what am I grateful for? Is that the first thing I'm thinking about after I have to go to the bathroom? As an old man? I'm grateful that I can go to the bathroom. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that it works. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> hey, you got some folks clapping here. All right. But what else? Like, how do, you, how do you practice gratitude? And what would change in your life if you really grabbed hold of this practice of gratitude? So our good friends at Reader's Digest had some tips on uh, gratitude. And one of them was, say out loud what you're grateful for. Not just at Thanksgiving dinner, as your tradition is, maybe around your table of saying what you're thankful for. But, like, what are you thankful for? On a daily basis, what are you thankful for? What are you noticing about God's creation on a daily uh, basis that you can be like, whoa, that is amazing. Thank you, Lord. Write down what you're grateful for. One of the uh, gentlemen in our sermon club was talking about when he was struggling with his faith in high school and he had some things that happened in his life that he started writing down the things that God was doing. And even though he was mad and angry at God, he continued to write down these things and he would read these things on a daily basis and eventually as he continued to write these things down and read these things over and over again, he was like, man, my God, this God is active and he's at work even when I'm mad at him. Focus on gratitude in your life. Make it a priority. Give it a place to play. Plan to be grateful in advance. I'm already grateful in advance for what God's going to do this afternoon in our parking lot. And then challenge yourself to be grateful in difficult circumstances. So, this week I'm challenging you guys to stop and write down what you're grateful for. Reinforce in your mind that God is a God who provides and He's enough. And here's what happens when we become a church full of people who understand gratitude gratitude leads to generosity, and generosity leads to people being more grateful which in turn leads to being more, having more gratitude. It's like there's this loop of gratitude and gratefulness, gratitude, gratitude and generosity, gratitude and generosity. I'm grateful because I have, and like, it just keeps flowing. It's like God is generous to us, so we, it can flow through us to others. And can you imagine a world where people are super grateful and think that God is enough? Does God not provide enough resources for everything that's going on? And are we sometimes just getting in the way and messing it up? Or maybe myself. Am I just getting in the way and messing it up? So I'm like, I kind of curl my hands a little bit and hold on to stuff a little tighter because I'm concerned about me and mine. Do I have enough toilet paper? And do I have enough? Or is he a God who provides? Do I recognize and see that? The idea of Biblical generosity refers to the act of giving selflessly without expecting anything in return. This is not a health and wealth prosperity sermon. You have a God who provides. And it's a principle that's deeply rooted in the teachings of the Bible. And it's not limited to just monetary stuff or material gifts. It also extends to acts of kindness. Knowledge sharing and offering of our time. Everything gets so, you know, what are are you grateful for in regards to acts of kindness? What can be changed in your life and other people's lives because you're letting God's generosity, the things that he's pouring into you, flow through you outside of the money stuff? You know that there's some gifted people in here. That God has individually gifted many of you with some pretty amazing, great things. And he has that gift for the world, to be passed through to the world. Do you know what God has gifted you with? The Bible often speaks of generosity as a virtue that pleases God. I see that God's uh, love language is it's, it's obedience to him. And it's like, man, that pleases God that we are generous people, that we are grateful people. And giving is not just an act of charity. It's a way of life that reflects God's generosity towards his people. What does God look like? Well, he looks like what you're representing to the, to the world. And are you a person that's just like this? That, man, I, got, I have been really blessed, and I get to bless others with the things that God has blessed me with, whether it's a talent, whether it's with your time, whether it's with resources, financial stuff. So biblical generosity goes far beyond the act of giving. It's about the attitude of the heart behind the gift. I think God's desire is that we are grateful and generous representation of what he is. The Bible teaches that giving should be done cheerfully and willingly, not out of compulsion or a sense of duty. And let's take a look at that scripture of where that happens. So today, our text that we're going to uh, camp out in uh, is 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, verse 6 through 15. And you've heard this one quoted at many money sermons that you've been to and who needs to give you things. But I, I kind of caught some things as I was running through this over and over this week. I caught some things about like getting past the money part of it and getting to the end and really focusing on the back part of what Paul is saying that it does. And so here's an interesting setup here. This is to uh, the church in Corinth. And if you remember our short 18 week Corinthian sermon series um, that we had, uh, Corinth was uh, a hot mess. And this was a place that was like Las Vegas and San Francisco combined, had a lot of like rough freed people that were, you know, part of the Roman world. Like this was a rough and tumble place. And so he's talking to the church in Corinth. And I love at the beginning of this, it's not on your notes and see this, but you can read the, go ahead and feel free this week to go ahead and read the full text, uh, all of it, if you want to. Um, But I love at the beginning of this, Paul is so silky smooth. He's just like, man, he was a preacher. He was so smooth on this. And I love that. So at the beginning, he's like, hey, there's really no need for me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people. I don't even need to talk to you about it, so let me write to you about it. And he goes on and he writes to everybody what he's about to say about generosity. And, you know, I mean, I know your eagerness to help and I've been boasting about it to the Macedonians telling them, you know, that since last year that that you and Acacia were, were ready to give and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. I mean, you guys are so awesome. I don't even need to write to you about this, but let me tell you anyway. And so Paul's kind of setting this up About this idea of generosity because there was a gift uh, that was needed and coming. And so, uh, joining in in chapter uh, 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 6 through 15, and here's what he says He says, Remember this whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God, so you've hear that you heard that part a lot before, maybe if you've been around church, that God loves a cheerful giver. Well, the church loves any giver, just so you know. You don't have to be cheerful about it, but God loves a cheerful giver. Uh, and God, this is cool, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, But it's also overflowing into many expressions of thanks to God. Because of their service by which you have proved yourself, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace that God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So as I was going over this, I kind of was searching for like the, more of the why, right? So he loves a cheerful giver and all those things, and you should give money, but why do you need to, why do you need to give? Why do you need to take that talent that God has given you and learn about it, and understand it, and present it as as a gift to the world? Why do you need to take your time, the gift that God has given to all of us, this very next breath, why do we need to take that and give it to the world? And the resources, and dollars, and all of those things. Who needs your gift? What did God's generosity to us and through us do just here at the church this last year? And let me tell you some things that have been happening here at the church last year. And some of them are money stuff and some of them are time stuff. Do you know that every week more than 250 people watch the real life services uh, and sermons on, on our online? That's more people that are in this room right now that are watching online. Oh, yeah, by the way, I forgot to say hi to you guys. Good to see (laughs) you. I had to do announcements. I had to do lots of stuff. I was very confused. Um, Last year, we had people join our live stream from more than 30 different states. These aren't even people that you guys really interact with. In eight different countries. In the last 90 days alone, we've had more than 3,500 unique live streams of viewers across all of our platforms, Facebook and YouTube and church online, right now, there's about a dozen residents at Good Sam Nursing Home that are watching our live stream. Hi guys, so glad you're joining us. They get together and watch the live stream every, every Sunday, and this is all thanks to the generosity of not just of you guys but of people that happened to give a long time ago. You know, we didn't have to have a big transition when COVID hit because we were already cool technology people. And we're very gifted with guys like Gus and Garrett and our whole team that, that does that and all the guys doing the, the cameras and all this work. We are super, super gifted to be able to put out a great product. And that's because of the generosity of people's time that are coming in here and serving and doing that. That's because of the generosity of a church that has the values of this, that we could get this out. How many people have watched anything online at all of this church? How many people watched it before you decided to check us out? It's a, great, it's a great door to come into the church. What are these people like? They're weird. They're my kind of weird. Awesome. So we're having a giant upgrade that's going to need to happen in that. And, and uh, I was like talking to Gus about it. And I'm like, how much? And, and I'm like, we just got this stuff. And he's like, Josh, it's 10 years old. I'm like, oh, I forgot. It's been a fast 10 years here. I thought, you know, like your stuff doesn't last over 10 years? Like, how many computers have you had in the last 10 years, Josh? Oh, that's right. <laughs> Besides the ones I break? No. So we're having a big upgrade that's coming that's going to need to change, and it's like 300 grand. And it'll set us up for the next 10 or 20 years, 10 years. So if you enjoy the online service, we would love for you to participate in that. And for those of you in here that have benefited from that, you know, we've got a big, big expense coming up. How else else has God's generosity to us gone out through us to other people? Well, let me tell you about our life groups. Uh, Our life group people are investing time and treasure into each other. We have 24% more people in life groups this year at this time than we did last year at this time. We have nine new life groups. Like 90 people that are connected we have 27 new leaders, 29 new life group host homes, uh, people that have chosen to give their, open up their home and host. 61% of you that come in on a Sunday are in a life group. My goal is 80%. It was 50, we got there, now it's 80. Really, my goal is 100, but I know that I'll never reach that goal. I know that not every person, because we have new people that come and they're not in a group yet, but 80% seems good to me. You know that last year we had twenty eight recorded baptisms that I was told about or that we ha- that we are, are sure of twenty eight people, and they 're usually adults and people that are making these, these decisions, these spiritual markers in the ground that 's cool you know our restoration night stuff we spent seventy thousand dollars ish on our restoration night this year, so we 're spending five 000, six thousand dollars a month on restoration night, and we had uh, sixty nine classes that happened over the last year with two hundred and fifty individual people. Who attended and were plugged in and invested in in those classes by leaders who are not paid by the church, who are giving their time. Who are giving their, they're giving lots of time. Like they're in a, they're in a, a six week, uh, six week to 12, 13 week session, and they're coming here and spending two or three hours on a Thursday night giving their time, investing into other people around them to help them overcome hurts, habits, and hangups. We have a counselor that's, uh, that, we, that we fund to be here on Thursdays, and he does a lot of pro bono work for us and helps out with our staff um, for for ca- counseling and also has a sliding scale for people who maybe don't have the financial resources, and he's here every Thursday for eight hours doing counseling. We have mission stuff that happened where this is more money stuff, but uh, 17000 in community outreach, 19000 in church planning and discipleship network support. Uh, 29000 to Palouse CareNet last year. Over 50000 to support the daycare uh, here, uh, including the cost of utilities and all those things. Like, it, you see the money coming to us and going out through through us? And over uh, $11,000 in gas cards and food cards and Hope Center vouchers that happened last year. Our youth nights are, are, are growing quite a bit. Joshua's done a great job. We have 22 new students, high school students, middle school and high school students that are connected into our youth group since Joshua got here in July. We have two student baptisms plus another one that's getting to get baptized. We have a, a student-led Bible study. Scholarships that we gave to camp, all those things. So I think there's an expectation of a generous God that his people would be that way too. And so when you think about this in the big scope of your life, when you evaluate what are, what's happening in your life and in your, in your spiritual growth, you know, when I look at some basics of Christian living and giving, what's been modeled for me is to live life with an open hand. It's easier for God to move stuff through my hands when I'm not holding on to it so tight. Really bummer when he rips it away from me. And I'm like, I was holding on to that. So, again, God has designed us to need generosity and also give it out. So, some basics for me when I talk about money, if you're a Christian in our church and you're a partner in our church, we talk about a biblical tithe, we talk about 10%. And that's basic. That's that's minimum. That's kind of just how how it works. And then we have offerings and things over and above that that are exciting to do that. But one of the things that I was challenged to a long time ago is as I was growing spiritually, is that I also, as I'm growing spiritually, have I learned more about God this last year? Like, yep. Am I learning more about his people this year? Yep. Am I learning more about his text this year? Yep. Am I learning, like all these different things, like am I learning more about how to be more generous this year? Yep. Does that include... My time, uh huh. Does that include my finances? Well, I'm already, I'm already give 10%. And my mentors that challenge me, it's like, well, why aren't you growing in that area, Josh? Are you just, just, you just want, do you just want to do with a minimum? And so what's happened over Carrie and I in our lifetime is we're able to, uh, you know, we're able to increase our giving. And so we tithe about 14%. My accountant's here, he knows. Where you got Mark? I know you were in here. There you are, Mark. He knows what I do. Uh, so I think I was giving about 14% of my income from, that the church gives Carrie and I back to the church because we're trying to grow in our tithing. And then we have our offerings over and above that, things that we're passionate about. So when we have a very nice dinner at the Palouse Care Network fundraiser. And so there's tithes and offerings. So are you growing financially there as much as you're growing in your generosity, as much as you're growing spiritually? And sometimes our generation is going to get hung up on this, what I say, qualified giving and unqualified giving. And what has happened over time is we have grown less uh, trustworthy of big organizations. How many people like trust the government? They're like, the government's awesome, totally doing everything right with our money. Nobody? Not one person in here. Yeah, sometimes, right? Like, how many people uh, trust big business like you know Enron and some other big people that we're doing really? Like, so the trust has eroded over bigger organizations and that has fled into the church. And the new generation wants to do what they call qualified giving. How many people have heard of GoFundMe? How many people have given to GoFundMe? Right? Because where's that money going? Oh, it's right to the people. Like, and so this is the idea of like controlled giving, like where I control my giving and where those resources go, and then giving up control of giving. Do you think that the Pharisees in Jesus' time were doing a good job with the ties to the temple? If you've read the Bible, you know that's not true. You know they were were screwing it up. And so the idea of this controlled giving, this qualified giving of like I get to choose where it goes, and then this uncontrolled giving where I'm like, no, I'm part of the faith system. I go to a church, I'm going to give 10%, and you know, does the church do everything perfect with it? I don't know. We're trying. We're trying. We're pretty, pretty uh, open with what we're doing with the resources and finances. But there's this whole concept of, like, do you get to control what happens with your giving? And whose giving is it? Or do we just give God the first fruits? The first 10%, he'll deal with the guys that mess it up. And so I think that's just an epidemic that's happened within our culture from lack of trust in big organizations. So, wrapping up this mastered series, here's some things I wanted you to take away. We have a God who provides. He is going to provide for your needs. He's already providing. Maybe it's not to your liking. Maybe it's not to the amount you think. And nobody won the $2 billion lottery. I was really bummed. I was hoping one of you guys would win that in here. Um, But, uh, you know, He's going to take care of things. Actually, don't play the lottery. That's a tax on people who don't understand math. You are not going to win. I can almost say that definitively. You can dream about it. Stop and dream about it. Think about what you would do with billions of dollars, but then don't, don't play that. There's, is there anything in the text about uh, quickly ill-gotten wealth and how great that turns out for you when you just get this just a bunch of wealth just freely that you don't have to work for and you just know how to manage it well? I didn't read that in there either. So God provides... And what God provides is enough. And everything that God has provided to you and to me is on loan. It's on loan from him. And he wants a return for what he's built into you, into the gifts that God has given you. He wants a return on your time. He wants a return on your resources. He wants a return on all of those things because it furthers the kingdom of God. God is generous to us and it should go through us and it should be evident in, the, in, in where we are in the kingdom. And one of the things I noticed about God is he is not held out on me. And he's not holding out on you. The idea of first fruits, that you would give the first, the best of what you have, to God, the first moments of your day, after you go pee. No. The first moments of your day, the best of your brain power, the best of the talents that he's given you. those go to Him. talking about the money stuff, those go to Him. Because He gave us something that was His first his one and only begotten son. He didn't hold out on you and I. He gave us, he gave all of us his best. I want to encourage you guys to know that God's enough. The sacrifice he provided through his son, Jesus Christ, is enough. The talents and treasures that he's given you, that you need to mine out, that are great for his kingdom, are enough. And he's not holding out on you. We're going to take this time to go to the Lord's table. If you missed it because you almost ran into it on the way in, or if you're new, we celebrate communion every week. We go back to the foundation of who God is and what he did in our lives. We serve a generous God. been very faithful. Trust him. Trust him with everything. He's worth it. Because he has trusted you with everything that he has. Down to his very son. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, and this is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord, we remember the first fruits that you gave us. We remember your son. And in the same way, after supper, he took this cup, saying, This is the new covenant. Uh, in my blood. Do this whenever you drink of it, and it of me. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. Lord, we proclaim your goodness. We proclaim your generosity. We proclaim your kingdom. Father, I thank you for a, a, a generous, generous group of people that love you, that care about you. I know many folks in here have been giving of their time and of their talent and of their treasure. Lord, I know that we are very, very blessed to be in your kingdom. So I ask you would put those challenges in front of us, Lord, that we would evaluate where we can grow in our generosity, whether it's through our time, our talents, or through our, our, our treasures. we'd be known as a very generous group of people because we have a very generous God. And we would be well rounded in generosity, in service, in sacrifice. And then we would trust you with our very best because you are the very best for us. It is all yours, Lord. Lord, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.